You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to another edition of Under the Shield Presents. See, I, I get it right every time. Fight in progress. It's Tom that screws that one up. But anyway, I'm sure my day will come when I'll screw it up to something completely oh, different. Oh, and I will point it out. Uh, yeah, there's no question. I'll point it out. Heck, I'll point it out. This is Susan Simmons, one of your hosts, along with... Tom Hubble. Oh, you're somebody different every week. We're Tom the Bomb. We're um, Tommy Good Boy. Yeah, we're, uh, and today you're actually, this is your first time using your whole name. No, I've done it one other time, I think. You must have done it when I wasn't here because I would have pointed mm, that out. Yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> I'm good at pointing out when you make changes. I never know who he is. He can be anybody he wants to be. I guess. And in this world, are you identifying as a unicorn today? Or? No, no unicorns. Just a retired motor cop. Exactly. I think you need to change that and be something else. But With whatever. mad cow disease. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. Or monkey, monkey pox or something. <laughs> anyway, anything new with you? Nope. Well, Pretty much same old, same old. I'm headed to round three of chemo on Thursday. That'll put me halfway through the worst. Yay. Not chemo, but the worst of chemo because I'm going to be real positive that the last 11, right. you go from six drugs to two drugs, it's got to be an improvement. <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> and then I get to do radiation for a month in between. I mean, they, 23 is just going to be a hot yeah, you're, damn year. You know, we probably shouldn't have wished for a really good 23. I never did. <laughs> this started in August. I That's don't know true. what you were wishing That's for, true. but geez, I mean, seriously. No, I just said 23 is going to be a wash. I'll look yeah, forward right. to 24. There you go. Not to mention, then I get to turn 65. I, I mean, really? Seriously? Look at you go. <laughs> Maybe I'll just skip 64 and I'll be 64 again next year. There you go. That'll work. Just skip this year. Absolutely. Yeah, like a leap year. Yeah. We'll make the whole thing a leap year. <laughs> Maybe that's a new thing. <laughs> anyway, we have someone near and dear to me on the show yes. today that we we're just honored to have on here. Sadly, I did meet Judy at a difficult time in her life, but Judy Glasser, we are honored to have you on the podcast today, and uh, just want to share your story and your son's story, who, um, we're st- Bird and I are still trying to figure out, I think I met him once at a training that I met their whole squad up in Prescott, um, about Bird and I were figuring out the other day, I think it was just about maybe eight months before the event that Judy's going to talk about. And uh, yeah, they were an interesting group. I just remembered having Phoenix police officers in my class. That was almost <laughs> enough. Just I didn't need names. I just needed to know they were Phoenix right. PD. And uh, they kept coming up and having little snide things to say. <laughs> Being the, the group that they are who are 
Now, near and dear to me, part of the Under the Shield family, actually, some of them are stress coaches yeah. now. And knowing a couple of them, I can't imagine that they had something snide to say. No, especially Bird. <laughs> especially James Bird. He's just such a, a kind, soft-spoken yeah. introvert. He does look good with that green wig, <laughs> He though. does look good with a green wig. We'll have to share that with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Bird bought me my first wig. Gee. Oh, Yes, he and Chris Devers (laughs) took me on my wig shopping adventure and bought me a green wig. And I made him put it on in front of the academy class a few weeks ago. (laughs) And he looked, yeah. um, Totally different. Special. That was the word, Judy. That's the word, special. Absolutely. (laughs) So, Judy, welcome to the podcast. And we're just honored to have you on here. How is Colorado treating you? Uh, I love Colorado. We moved here three years ago, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Gosh, has it been that long? Seems like it was just a year ago. It was March uh, of three years ago. Wow. March 17th. Time gets And it was just when all the restaurants were closing down and (laughs) the world was. Great time to go to a new place. Exactly. (laughs) And uh, I love it. I grew up in Iowa, so. We had, my daughter and her family lives here, and we had visited enough to know that it's not like Iowa. Mm-hmm. Like, it snows here, but then the sun comes out. The sun's out every day this week. Nice. And it's just beautiful, and the mountains are beautiful. And frankly, after I retired that, you know, we lived in Phoenix for 41 years. Mm-hmm. Um, that summer started getting pretty <laughs> brutal. Yes. When you're working, you know, you go from air conditioner to air conditioner. When you're retired, it's like, no, I don't even feel like going out to the pool. <laughs> I don't think, you know, I've been here going on 11 years in June, and I don't think it will take me 41 years to figure, <laughs> figure that out. out. <laughs> I think I got it figured out about the first three. <laughs> it was well, not- when I was working, you know, kids, and it was a whole different thing. But sure. And then our daughter called us. She had a little one. Our, our granddaughter here is, was not even two yet. And they had a second one coming. And so I could hear that call. <laughs> yeah, there's no family here. And they didn't ask us. They said, you know what? They need family. Little ones, you got to have some family. Sure. You know, yeah. so sure. uh, we packed it up and moved here. And I, I really love it. Now, are you just outside Denver? Yeah, we're north of Denver in a 55-plus community. Nice. I have some good friends. I've hit 65 already. Oh, well, tell me it's wonderful and great. (laughs) You don't feel any different. You will have a great time because you get Medicare. (laughs) All the things that I've, since I was 30, I've looked forward to. (laughs) It is. I tell people it's like the next day after... 31, I mean, 21, where yeah. you can drink legally. <laughs> Next day, big day is 65. Wow. Medicare, absolutely. <laughs> Somehow I missed that lecture at 21, Judy. Yeah. 21 to 65, that's a big stretch. Uh, have you dealt with the FOP up there at all? Uh, right when we moved here, what does the FOP stand for? That's the Fraternal police. Order of Police. Uh-huh, yeah. the unions. Well, I behave, so I haven't dealt with them <laughs> on a professional level. But the first year on, uh, I think it was Law Enforcement Appreciation Day, we brought some donuts down and some 
stuff from Davey, you Uh know, and uh, just said hi, and we're in the neighborhood, and... Well, the state president is a very, very good friend of mine. Uh, He and his wife have been friends now of mine for years. I need to get you connected with Stephen and Denise Schultz, because he's in a department just north of Denver. And um, Rob Pride is another one of the national uh, parts to the FOP, too, but they are just such incredible people. And uh, I think that uh, they would probably be interested in having you speak to some of the things that they have going on, because I've been out and spoken numerous times. And we're also going to talk about your book, and I know they're going to want to know about that. And uh, so I'll make sure I connect you and Denise and Stephen and uh, Rob Pride and his his wonderful other half, Jennifer, and because uh, they're all right there in that area where you are. And yeah, one of the groups is that has shown a lot of interest in my story is mothers of police officers. Mm-hmm. They find well, I have two prayers for my book is. One, that people like me who have lost a child or something, somebody very close to them, when they read my book, that they will not feel alone. Sure. Because sometimes you really feel alone, especially after six years, you know, five years. Sure. Or 20 years. I've had parents say 20 years is still hard. Sure. Sure. And then the other prayer is that um, people will find hope as they read about my story some part of my story will bring them hope. Yes, yes. You know, when my son was still in the Marine Corps, and he wasn't married, but but I felt kind of ignored as the mother. You know, I'm <laughs> like, where are my discounts and stuff? And so, I, you know, it it, it is. It's even, and they don't even have to be married for that right. to happen. That that. But then when they are married and they have their own families and stuff, then you, you kind of pushed even more to the back burner. And so I think that uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to your book coming out. And we got the notice about you're supposed to tentatively be here in Glendale. I think it is, what, in March? Yeah, we're hoping good uh, to have a book release party up at Dylan's. Well, we have it on the calendar tentatively. Yeah, and but we will let you know the process, you know, takes a lot. And the book is actually done. It's just the other process that we're going through so we'll let you know for sure but sometime in the near future we will be doing a book release well we we will be there celebrating that release with you absolutely 100 percent. yeah yes so tell us a little bit about you the background and, and i have to ask how is how is your husband dave Husband Dave it had a rough year mm-hmm. 2022 is a rough year um, he had, um, he's taken to the ambulance in the ambulance to the hospital in, well, June 30th. And, uh, they saved his life in the I, emergency room. They called the code on him. I don't think I knew and, this. Yeah. And the next day he had, um, bypass surgery and he's had like six months of procedures and uh, drugs and all of that, and he's finally feeling well. Good. So it's quite a journey for him, but he um, is doing well. Good. Doing well. He's working out, and he just started uh, volunteering at the USO at the airport. Nice. (laughs) Let's keep him busy and out of the house a little bit, give you a little bit of a break. (laughs) 
that we did have have a pretty big adjustment there. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> so Judy, tell us tell us about your journey and what got you to where you are and where you've written a book now. Well, um, you know, Davy was killed uh, May eighteenth, two thousand sixteen, in the line of duty. And my world just blew up. Absolutely. My entire world. Absolutely. And I told you guys I'll be crying. That's okay. Stuff hits my broken heart. Well, I said it's the most unnatural thing. I don't think anybody, no parent, short of the, my first experience with even thinking about was when my son deployed. Right. And I come home and he's got his will and everything laid out like it's, <laughs> yeah, and you're like, you know, the newspaper this? and I'm right. like freaking out. So, but no parent ever plans. No. The, the natural progression is they'll bury us. Right. And you plan on that. Yes. Everything in my future had Davey in it. Yes. And he was our oldest. He was already in our well, you know, like executor and he's taking care, starting to take care of us. Sure. And you lose all of that, all of his future, all of his dreams. And, and that's a really hard part of it. But the worst part for me is my two little fatherless grandchildren. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So, but, um, it's been quite a ride of, of grief. I always say that I'm not an uh, expert on grief, but I am an expert on my journey sure. of grief. And, I, you, and, and, you know, people talk about people getting over things. You don't get over things. No. You get through them. And that's and a big I don't difference. And you don't even get through this. There's not a place that you say, okay, take a breath. Right. I'm through it. Right. It is when you lose a child, it's the rest of your life. Yeah, it's a constant journey process the rest of your life. Sure, sure. Doesn't go away. People say unhelpful things. (laughs) You know, I have found that with cancer, too. I love the ones who come up. Oh, my my mother had that and she died. (laughs) Yeah, they tell you the worst thing. (laughs) Yeah. And they also say stuff like uh, the the first year is the worst. That's not true with children. Actually, uh, the whole keeps growing mm-hmm. because well, they miss family stuff and they're not there with, you know, new grandkids and, right. you know, they're, sure. they're as not your life goes kids. on, they don't get a, to join in that part of it. So yeah. that hole's got to get bigger. Everything, yeah. sure. everything they should have been. Right. And so it's a long process. That's what I like about my book is somehow I've become kind of, I think because I have a blog about um, Davy's death and my journey as well. It's called myfamilybleedsblue.com. Okay. And so I've been blogging about this journey for six years. And um, people know that I'm outspoken about it and, you know, I've worked through it. I'm in a positive place. So I kind of become the resident expert <laughs> on grief. People constantly call, walk up to me and say, you know, somebody young died in my family. Mm-hmm. What do I say? Or a friend's child died. What do I say? What do I do? And it's hard because it's not a five-minute conversation. No. It's a game changer. Yes. Losing a child. It's not a 30-minute conversation. It's not a five-hour conversation, you know? <laughs> and so as soon as my book is published, I'm going to say buy my book and yes. give that to them because yeah. that's something that they can really read and they, they'll they find themselves in that 
in my story, I'm sure they will. Well, and I think that's why you and Linda Ferrar have some things in common, too, because it, not that it, it's, well, it does matter, but both of your boys were such big personalities. <laughs> yeah. That they were, they touched so many people's lives. Yes. Because I don't even, I think there are a lot of people at Phoenix PD who still don't know about the Love You campaign that was started because that's what Davey had done for, I guess his whole career is basically the way I had heard it, um, that he would always say love you to the people on his team before they went out. And here he is, what, six, how big was Dave? Six, five. Six, five. Yeah. He was kind of a little fella. Yeah. Little fella. Love you. Yeah. And they're like, I remember Bird telling me the first time he said it to him and he was like, well, what's that all about? <laughs> yeah. They were, that was so interesting at Davey's funeral. I knew that Davey said love you to us, uh-huh. but I didn't know Bird, Bird brought up a couple things. You know, Davey's funeral was a big swirl of grief to me and I remember people just doing a great job of speaking, but what Bird said stuck in my head because he spoke about how Davey shared his faith mm-hmm. all the time at work, yes. and I didn't know that. I knew Davey had a very strong faith, but I didn't know he was constantly, especially Bird. <laughs> yes. He was on Bird all the time. And then uh, James also said that Davey made them say love you mm-hmm. to him, and he said love you to them, and he would stand there. <laughs> And wait for them. <laughs> and Nothing some of like the guys thought it was really crazy, <laughs> you know, but they did it. Yeah. You know, Davy was insistent and <laughs> wasn't leaving until they said, love you. And somebody told me they were in a, a squad, a different squad, and they would hear these guys yelling, love you, mm-hmm. across the locker room. <laughs> yeah. At each other, you know. And I shared that story in Baton Rouge at the Sheriff's Department and Baton Rouge PD, and they picked it up there. And it I is, assume some of them are it, still doing it from after the, the, the ambush. It was that group. And so he, he is spreading that Love You campaign <laughs> yeah. all over the place. Well, the Love You, and that Love You really helped our process of grieving because uh, when we were, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. You're always with the squad. You're always with people. And every time we said goodbye, we were hugging and saying, love you. Mm-hmm. And I've often said that it's hard to be bitter when people are saying they love you. <laughs> it's hard to be angry when yeah. all these people around you are hugging you and saying love you. And it's hard to be some of these other things that people get stuck in, in grief. It's hard to do that when there's love all around you and people really are showing that love. And so it transformed our journey, really. I give, I give God and, you know, Davy's legacy of love, all the credit for how, how we survived and learned to move forward positively. Sure. Well, you know, I, I remember when we all came, well, I came back a little bit early from police week. And then when I was there to greet the everybody else coming back and the squad, because part of them had come back a, a day or two early, but I was there when everybody else came back. And I will never forget being downstairs, getting baggage with all of them. 
And Rich Vasquez was the very first one to say love you to me. And I knew at that point I had been accepted by that. <laughs> and then every one of them getting on the bus, love you, Susan, love you. And I, after they drove off, I stood there and just cried. <laughs> I know. It changes things, doesn't it? It really it does. It changes things. And so that really helped us a lot. And it's just uh, it's such a positive thing excuse me that the last thing Davy said to any of us was love you yes and the last thing we said to him was love you yes and that's and, and that's how huge. awesome it is to yeah. live with that you know yes and that like i said that just being accepted by that group and then having a lot of them be part of under the shield and the family here at under the shield and like i said it, it carries on everywhere we go because there's always talk about dave glasser and what happened in, I think, every training we've right. done uh, in referencing the things that have gone on since Under the Shield moved to Arizona from Alabama. And it's just such a huge honor. He was a huge personality. He lived large his whole life. He was always going. He loved people. So he collected friends. <laughs> I remember one time I was working um, over in Ahwatukee, I worked for corporate jack-in-the-box for 34 and a half years, and I was at one of our closed restaurants making sure it looked good and everything was secure, and I had unknowingly caused the alarm to go <laughs> off. I didn't hear it, but so some police officers came, mm -hmm. and they're like, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, I work for jack-in-the-box, and I showed them my ID, and I had my fallen officer plates and they asked me um, if I knew some police officers and I told them about Davey and they knew him. Oh, wow. In <laughs> Ahwatukee. Wow. They said, oh yeah, we know about him. We've heard about him. So it's just really amazing to me. Well, we have fallen off. That was before Davey was killed. We have fallen officer plates. Davey talked us into getting fallen officer plates mm -hmm. uh, early. Sure. So, and that's that's the plate that benefits the FOP, the Fraternal yeah. Order of right. the Police. So, okay. um, but yeah, because you kind of just see your kid as just your kid, and you know, one of however many police officers at Phoenix at that time. It's kind of a large place; they yeah. kind of have yeah. a few of yeah. them. And uh, and then to know that he's already uh, touching lives. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, he was so outgoing and. I remember thinking, uh, as he got older, how long was he going to keep this up? Because he was traveling <laughs> all the time. Sure. He was everywhere. He was totally into our family. If something was happening, my daughter got her master's in Maryland. He was there. You know, he went everywhere to be there sure. for us. And um, I wondered how long he was going to do that. And now I realize his whole life, he lived full out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And how long did he have on when he was killed in the line of duty? Well, 12, 12 years. 12 years. Okay. Yep. And so, you know, I know that you're uh, a part of the Dave Glasser Foundation that's here. Yes. And it's still very active. Um, what really, how do you sum up the mission of the Dave Glasser Foundation? The mission is to uh, support and provide opportunities for police officers to have positive interactions with the kids and families that they serve. Because the underlying thing, idea is if the young man who killed Davey 
had had some positive interactions with police officers, he might have decided to make a different decision mm -hmm. that day. Sure, sure. And, you know, one of the things um, that we will get our uh, director of fundraising uh, involved, we'd love for y'all to be involved. One of the things that Chris Ferrar and I wanted to do was something called Putt-Putt with the Popo. <laughs> <laughs> Where we get, you know, inner city kids and, and, and other children that probably don't have a lot of opportunity to have a positive experience with police yes. to get out playing putt-putt with them. Because we know That's how fun. goofy they will be. <laughs> Cops will be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're great. Put a putter in their yeah. hand and a ball and funny things are going to happen. Oh, yeah. And, uh, the so, foundation has been really, um, actually, some friends of... Davy started it because when you lose a child, um, everything is gone and all their futures, all the stuff that they were going to do. And so it feels good. I tell people too, it feels good to do something in their name yes. and redeem a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know? And so I encourage people who have lost a child to figure out some things if they, if they're feeling undone, you know, mm -hmm. things are undone is to do something because it really feels good to do things in Davy's name. And we sponsor a lot of sports around the Valley. That's ultimately what we do. Mm -hmm. uh, sports teams that um, have the same values as we do and have police officer volunteers, Nice, you know, there. And then we also have been doing a um, shop with a cap, which is always fun. That's, so. that's a crazy time. I remember <clears throat> the first one I went to and it was with the Glasser squad. <laughs> And I have never laughed so hard at them having, some of them having little girls that didn't have daughters, and they didn't have a clue what these kids were asking oh, yeah. for. And I'm standing there, and they're like, Susan, what are they talking about? You're going to have to figure that out, I guess. <laughs> they have a good time, and it's just such a positive thing, and we love doing that. Yes. We love doing sports because Davey was totally into sports. And so we love sponsoring sports because that's where he learned a lot himself. Sure. Yeah, he was a and little bit of a Cardinals fan, just a little bit. Oh, just yeah. just just a hair. His entire life and Diamondbacks, you know, and ASU, everything ASU. <laughs> well, um, and you know, I think the the worst thing that could happen for a parent once they've lost a child is to think their child is forgotten. Right. And to me, that's where it's so important to keep their memories alive by doing positive things. Yeah. And so, like I said, we'd love to have y'all kind of join in also on this putt-putt with the popo and get all these crazy, crazy police officers That'd out be here. Fun. Yeah. yeah, we're always looking for fundraising and, and that type of thing. Now that I live in Denver, it's a little hard. I'm actually the president of the foundation. But since our main thing is sponsoring other people's teams, that's that's working. Sure. And so it's kind of fun too. Davy's son, Micah, is twelve Gosh. now. Wow. And in ten years, he'll be twenty-two. Mm -hmm. So who knows? We have a plan. We put together a plan to you know for the foundation for the next ten years. Who knows when he's twenty-two? Absolutely. If they want to pick up that foundation and, you know, sure. do something different or whatever. So it's it's very cool to have that, too, that, yes. that there's a future there possibly. Or Eden is eight, so. Gosh, 
They they they're are, getting they're getting up there. They're growing yeah. a lot. Yes, and they're doing great. My daughter-in-law Kristen is just doing a great job with them. Well, Kristen's she's she's an amazing person, and just the way she has handled all of this, I think, has mm -hmm. been something really to be modeled because she's she's been a real rock through a lot of this and and I know the squad really helped her a lot also they were around they were involved and I assume I'm sure still are uh, to some extent going to his game to Micah's games and things I remember hearing them yeah. talk about that yeah they're very you know there's about, about half the squad is still really involved we see them we see them when we come into town, have dinner and and check out, you know, how, how things are doing and um, extremely helpful. They were so good and I knew they were hurting too, but sure. they were so, so good. And the uh, employee assistance unit mm -hmm. at that time led by Dave Osborne. Osborne. Yes. Unbelievable. Yes. Unbelievable support. And the Phoenix Police Department, the whole police department just has been very supportive. And I, I talk about in my book, I talk about the Blue family. I did not know anything about the Blue family until Davey died because, you know, you have your own family, you know. <laughs> right, right. And it just has amazed me. My husband, I told you, had surgery in June and um, I was we had set up a Blue family get together here mm -hmm. so i had to cancel it and one of the guys who still works as an investigator for the um, denver police he and his wife came every week and mowed our yard <clears throat> well and you know, and something else too and this just occurred to me there are two retired phoenix police officers i want to say that there were a husband and wife who work for durango pd that you need to probably connect with that i'm sure New Davy, because I was there in 18, and I think they had just retired and gone to work in Durango. So that might be another connection for some things up in the Colorado area also. Yeah. And, well, uh, we're connected. Like, I'm in a Colorado Families of Fallen Officers Facebook. Um, but it was just, it just amazes me, the Blue family. I can't tell you how many police officers have walked up to me and given me their cell phone number uh -huh. saying, Hey, you need anything, you call me. You <laughs> and know? they mean it. And they right. mean it. Yeah. And they mean it. Yes. They mean it. Absolutely. So it's it's really just unbelievable mm -hmm. unless you realize you know, here we are six years later in a different city and, and they figure out we need something. Sure. We're there. Sure. Oh, and the guy that took my picture for the book, mm -hmm. he's a retired um, <laughs> FBI. Actually. Oh, nice. Wow. So, I mean, they just like, okay, what can we do still, you know? So and it's a it's, smaller world than we think it right. is, too, when it, you yes. start looking at this. So tell me, when and how did the book idea come about? Well, I've been blogging about four months. I have been blogging through the Bible for 12 years. I've been reading the chronological Bible every year and blogging through it. And uh, four, four months after Davy was killed, I wrote a blog about uh, Job 14.5, where God tells us that our days are numbered. Mm -hmm. And when we are born, he knows our last day already. Yes. And I wrote about how much hope and just peace that gave me 
when my mother died mm-hmm. because if God wanted her in heaven, who am I to say she shouldn't have died, you know? Sure. And so then when Davy died, um, it just gave me so much just solid truth to hang on to is that his day was determined before he was born. Sure. And so there's no regrets. So you don't say, mm-hmm. oh, he shouldn't have gone to work that day. Right. That, right. Not true. Right. He shouldn't have went on that call. Right. Not true. He shouldn't have been a police officer. You know, he loved being a police officer. It was who he was, and he wouldn't have wanted to live or die any other way. Right. Right. And so all those regrets and what ifs are done mm-hmm. when you know that your day is decided. Yeah. And it's a and temporary separation. Yeah, you, you will be yeah, with him again. We will meet again. Absolutely. So anyway, I blogged about that, and the blog went viral. It was just <laughs> like God kind of sent it over the. <laughs> he does uh, use the internet periodically. I knew he did. I keep telling him you can send me messages that way. It was like a gas station gas gauge in the money part, where it just keeps rolling. How many hits and stuff? And God told me to write a blog about because. He had told me my journey was going to be different because I have a close relationship with him mm-hmm. and I needed to share that. Sure. So I've been writing a blog for six years and a bunch of people have told me I should write a book. And uh, I said, well, God told me when to start the blog. He'll tell <laughs> me when it's time to write the book, you know. <laughs> and then Natalie, who's my editor and knows Chris Hoyer, helped him write his book. Mm-hmm. She she contacted me a year ago and said she'd been reading my blog and um, I needed to write a book. Hmm. And after talking to Natalie, I realized it was God saying, now's the time. And, and now I realize why God waited six years, because it gives me a way different perspective on mm. the journey. Sure. You know, now I know this grieving is going to be forever, mm-hmm. like it doesn't go away. I don't get through this, you know. But doesn't this, it change? It does. I get. I get. I have gotten used to Davy being gone, mm-hmm. but it still hurts. Sure, but it changes its shape and form yes. in how you just even conveying it. Which is because if it didn't, you wouldn't be able to provide hope in the book right. for others. Right. And that, I think that's the getting through doesn't mean there's an end to it, but it means there isn't a stuck place. Yes. One of my goals was not to get stuck. Yes. Because I know you probably have, and I know I have met some people that were stuck in the, you know, the stages of grief. Yes. There's that bitter and angry stage. Mm-hmm. And I know people who are stuck. Yes. For years in that stage and i met people at police week that were stuck yes in that stage they're not fun to be around right and they've just given up every hope for tomorrow because they're stuck on the past and their identity becomes a victim to this and that's too much power yes it's too much control to the guy that that started this whole journey that you're on and the reality of the matter is that's not what Davy would want for you or for your exactly. family. Exactly. And that motivation has helped me move forward as well as what would he you know, what honors 
his life mm -hmm. and who he was, you know? Yes. And none of that would, would be honoring to him. You know, in looking at his, the last even month of his life, because we've noticed this with Chris Farrar. And again, I, I think that's where it's so helpful that you knew Davey was a Christian. I knew Chris was. And in watching how things lined up, were there things that, that were going on right before he died that you could look back now and almost see that God was lining him up for this? Well, there was a month before, um, just about a month, right, right around a month, he shared with me that he was almost run over. Oh, wow. And that was, somebody was trying to, you know, avoid getting stopped mm -hmm. and, you know, probably had a worn out, you know, and all that stuff. And it, I remember it just shivers going down my back thinking about how close he was to getting killed. And I think it was about a month later that he was killed. I really, other than that, I really didn't think it would happen to him because mm -hmm. he wasn't a risk taker. He was very, he was a thinker. He was strategic, like he's very smart, like Chris, yeah. you know, like very smart. You just go, okay, it won't happen to them. They're not going to do this crazy running into <laughs> <Right>. houses and <laughs> You know, but it did because it was his day. Yes, yes. And, mm. you know, uh, and again, I think that's also what makes it where we can go on and honor them because, again, it wasn't a happenstance. It wasn't a chance. It, it was it was time. And. I kind of, you know, I kind of resent. I'm like, you know, really? How come I don't get to go home? Because I'm like, seriously? I, yeah, why him? Not yeah. me. I, I'm kind of tired of this woke world that we're living I in, know. to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> this craziness. And they're out uh, there. Yeah. I, I, this has really, well, I've gotten a lot closer to God, even though I was close before, but much closer to God because he was my strength in all of this. Mm -hmm. That. That's one thing I understand why parents get divorced when when a child dies because neither one of you can be there for the other one because you mm -hmm. both go into your pits yes and here everybody does this differently and I can see why people get divorced but I turn to God the the um, title of my book is I then I looked up oh. and I looked up to God. And he gave me the strength to sure. be there for my husband. And he gave me the wisdom to get through a lot of this. And I wasn't perfect by any means. Man, it's hard. <laughs> These high profile yes. funerals and deaths, it's crazy. We had a news reporter banging on our door the morning we got back after <sighs> Davia died. And wow. it was just craziness. Yes. So I needed a lot of help. And my husband's father died 11 days before Davey was killed. Oh, wow. I don't think I knew so that. So he either. was just bomb after bomb going off in his life. Sure. So God was the one who gave me strength to be strong for him, sure. even in the midst of all of that. Well, did you know the squad that he worked with very well? Father? I had met them a couple times. And then I had met Rich because he was his partner for quite a while, mm -hmm. you know, 
that Davey always had parties at his house and he would invite us over. So I had met them several times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard stories about riding his riding lawnmower around. <laughs> and... I've heard that story. <laughs> and I'm especially fond of the picture. I don't know what party it was he threw with uh, Bird in the footed pajamas. Yeah, 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 that that was a big hit of a party. They also, loved, they loved to have a good time, and a lot of it was at Davy's house because he had an acre. Yep, and so they had lots of room to mess around, and and the police stopped um, being called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, I had met them, but nothing big. You know, we lived the last five years of Davy's life. We had moved a mile and a half from them. Mm-hmm. So it was such a blessing. God just blessed us, giving us that time because Davey was my husband's best friend. Sure. They were always together and always doing stuff. And Davey was always over. You know, he loves people and he was always bringing Micah and it was just a constant thing. We went to the same church and it was really, really great. God gave us a last blessing. Well, and and that's one of the things I think when right. you look back and you go, yeah, you lived was, that close to him. And then before you moved to Colorado, you actually moved closer to Micah and Eden. And- yeah, we moved to Mesa, way east Mesa. So that because, you know, why stay in Goodyear if there's nobody out there, sure. you know? So we had moved to Mesa, and uh, that was cool. We have a bunch of great friends mm-hmm. in Mesa, and then we decided, you know, to come up and and be by our daughter and son-in-law, and we have two grandchildren here too. And we come back to Phoenix three to four times a year Good. and see our other grandkids, and they're old enough. We talk to them and Facetime and good good times. Yes. They're special, all four of them, and especially Micah. If I see him out of the side of my fa- my head, you know, the side, he looks just like Davy. <laughs> Does he? Just like Davy, and he's a lot like Davy too. Very yes. caring and super responsible, and just a great kid. He wears his uh, dad's number on his jerseys because hmm. he's very into sports too. So. Big blessings. Yes. And if I keep my eyes on all the blessings we have, it's easier. I tell people too, not to focus on what's lost. Yes. I yes. focus on what we had mm-hmm. and what we have, not what is lost, because you can really get lost mm-hmm. in that. Absolutely. And, you know, I have to tell one funny story because I think the first time we met was probably at the airport for going up to police week. Oh yeah. And we wound up on a very long, long layover in Nashville. That's because you were traveling. I know. I was the jinx, apparently. I just didn't know it. That is one of my favorite memories of Police Week, Susan. I put that in my book. Five hours of crying in our beer in this Tootsies. Tootsies was the name of the bar. Tootsies. Tootsies. Because the female entertainer (laughs) found out real quickly what we were doing and where we were going and why we were going there. And so she started singing songs about friends and 
how important it is to remember the good times. And we're just <laughs> crying great. in our beers, <laughs> hugging each other. Yeah. Like it was so great for me because we really hadn't had time to decompress. Right. With the squad. And you know, we saw the squad a lot, but we were busy. Yes. Every time we saw the squad. So that was I just that went in my book because I was like, oh, good. That was my favorite memory <laughs> of Police Week. I mean, we met President Trump, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, Kristen and Micah yes. saw him and met him, and he talked about Davy and all yes. kinds of big stuff that week. But that Tootsie's man, that was wasn't that great. <laughs> I was I was monitoring because I wanted to make sure everybody could get on the plane, <laughs> and, and there was there was a questionable moment for one that we both know, and I'm and I literally standing with him, and, and every t he'd open his mouth, and we're in line to get on the plane, and he'd I'd say shut up, just shut up, just you got to stop talking, and we got him on the plane, and he passed out, and I thought okay, we're good, we're safe. <laughs> and, we were not expecting that you know we're just we're gonna fly to washington dc and yeah we that was quite a week yeah we weren't supposed to be there that long and then as oh. we're getting off the plane they're sending us vouchers because something had happened and we were going to be there almost six hours total and i'm thinking what are we going to do in the national airport it's not like being in atlanta it, there's it's limited right and i'm thinking oh my gosh <laughs> and then when we found tootsies i thought okay this is it now, as long as we can get everybody on the plane, we're good. <laughs> Just maintain. And they are. They had that woman start singing Sweet Home Alabama, sticking a mic in my face. And I'm like, it ain't happening, people. It ain't happening. No, no. I, not with this group. And I'm sober. I'm the only <laughs> sober one in the group. And I was thinking, no, that's not going to happen. It was so precious, though. It was. It was such a precious time. It was. And that's when I met Chris Hoyer the first time. Oh, okay. They had been trying to get him to call me, and he wouldn't, and I met him. And then Chris started traveling and teaching with me as part of his, really, his therapy. Oh, I didn't know that. He did. And uh, we call that post-traumatic stress growth, that he was sharing his story and helping right. others. And, yeah, he taught with me um, right up to the time that he retired. Uh, we were with Border Patrol numerous times. He went to Memphis PD with me a couple of times. I don't think he went to Baton Rouge. Um, I think that was just Mark Valenzuela. But, um, yeah, and then he retired and moved to where he was always going, and that was San Diego. There was no diverting Chris from anything. <laughs> it was San Diego on the beach. I could picture him in a tent, basically. And he had been well, happy. Yeah, that it didn't he, matter how. Every time he talks, he talks about Davey, because Davey is a big part of his yes. book. Yes. That incident was a big part of his book. And uh, so it's so interesting how Davey's story keeps being told. And um, I still have the Love You campaign going on on, the, on Facebook. It's just to encourage uh, law enforcement and to get positive stuff about police officers, you know, keep it going through the social media, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, it's going well, it continues to grow. So... Sure. So tell us a little more about the book. So the book starts at what, and did you use your blog basically to write the book? I thought it was going to be kind of a process of organizing my six years of blogs and putting them in order. And it was so much more than that. Mm -hmm. 
it was so much harder than that because I really hadn't told the whole story before. And I was even saying that to Natalie. I said, it's not like when you get together with your friends, you sit down and talk about the worst thing that ever happened to you. <laughs> right. You know? Right. So there's a ton of people that I think are interested in hearing the story mm -hmm. because you don't sit it down and tell people the worst thing that ever happened to you. Sure. Like, and so the book actually starts the day Davy was born. Mm -hmm. And then that's a prologue. And then it starts the night. The next chapter is the night he was shot and killed. And it goes through that whole night, mm -hmm. like what happened and what we were doing. And then that whole first week, which was just a swirling of grief and just shock. Um, I had to look at pictures to figure out what day stuff happened. I remember kind of what happened, but I didn't remember what day. It was a very busy week. Sure. And that was just, it was just horrible mm -hmm. to write that, all, all that. It was a, I was so happy when I was done with <laughs> the first week. I bet. But then I was had to start writing about picking up the pieces. Mm -hmm. Did you, you know? have people that had, because I, I know after Chris died, I don't think I could put into perspective what happened when that first, really un, until the funeral. I think after the funeral, then some of that changes. But did you have people that had to help you kind of put those pieces of that first week together? Well, I, I like pictures. I take a lot of pictures. So I looked at the dates mm -hmm. on the pictures and I could tell what had happened that day. And I remember what happened. I just don't remember, you know, although I did put a section in the book, I said, if you were there and I'm not telling the story like you remember it, well, this is what I remember. <laughs> my perception is real for me. Yeah, this is my story. Sure. And I worked really hard to just make sure it's my story. I don't want to tell my husband's story. Yeah. I don't want to tell other people's story. So this is my story mm -hmm. of what happened. And there were pivotal moments that I identified that changed my tra trajectory mm -hmm. on this journey. There's a couple really pivotal times where I decided to do something different, you know, like, and um, I put those in there, all those stories. So what was the, what was the easiest part of the book to write? Oh, stories about Davey. I love to talk about Davey and he was <laughs> funny and, good anyway he actually thought a lot like me and then god has done some pretty big things in my life and those i love to talk about too is i told the story about how i ended up in the hospital with 12 blood clots in my lungs oh wow and um ended up in icu after after davy was killed no this oh. was before davy was um killed i was on a plane and didn't, I thought I was just having an anxiety attack. And three weeks later, I go to the doctor and she goes, you need to go. To the <laughs> oh, wow. wow. I looked well, though, but I, my breathing was all messed up. I thought I caught a weird, I had been in Iowa and I thought I caught a weird bug. 
And so I went to the um, emergency room and sat there for five hours because I wasn't oh, in pain. And then they did a CAT scan and found 12 blood clots Jeez. in my lungs. And the doctor's eyes were like this. <laughs> wow. And God spoke to me while the doctor was talking to me. God spoke to me and said, I'm not, you're not going to die from this. I've already taken care of it, which I knew. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. And so I was fine. And I was in ICU and Davey and my daughter, Katie, both came and I thought they would be kind of shocked by the whole, you know, all the hoses and drips and all that stuff. And, uh, my daughter walked in, her eyes got big and she clutched my hands and Davey walked in. He could see that I looked pretty good. Like uh -huh. I looked good. And he goes, well, I guess, cause we had a, we had planned a trip to Italy in five months, five months later. And he goes, I guess we're going to Italy by ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's Gee, Davey. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. And I said, oh no. I'm going. God's already taking care of this. Uh -huh. And I was five months later, I was on a plane to Italy, but wow. that's Davey, like really intelligent, you know, pragmatic, like it is what it is. And um, just, the, I love telling those kind of stories. <laughs> sure. And a lot of those are in the book. Yeah. Those are all in the book. Yeah. And, and so at what point in, because I've been writing my book for about 30 years. It's just still all in my head. I don't want to do that. So. I know, I know. And uh, yeah, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman's been harping on me for 30 years. You got to get it written. You got to get it written. And um, But how do you know how to end a book when the journey is still ongoing, ongoing like this? Will there be a sequel to this? I mean, is is this something that you even think about? I I. I have always liked to write, and I was actually a military journalist. I was in the Army, I and I was a journalist in the Army when I was younger. So writing is has always been my passion, although I did a whole career with Jack in the Box. I kept writing on the side. It's been my thing. You know, I have two blogs, you mm -hmm. know, so yeah. writing is me. It very, I don't know how to answer. I might have another book in me, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, nothing I'm as passionate about as this story. Sure. And it was really God saying it was time mm -hmm. to to write it. And um, the story isn't done, but that beginning really tough part is done. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's history. And so I do think, Susan, you need to just <laughs> decide. And Natalie is an awesome editor. She has been extremely helpful. I never wrote a book, you Terrific. know, so this is a brand new adventure. And she's just, she has helped me figure out how to start it and mm -hmm. how to end it. I didn't you know? realize she was your editor. Oh, yeah. She's my editor. Yeah. And we've been working on it for a year. Then so I will takes... talk to her about it. Yeah, she's great, very helpful. And then she tells me what sounds good, and she moves stuff around, and has made has made a lot of great contributions. Her son is a police officer in Dallas. Did not know that either. Yeah, so she has a heart for this stuff as well. So I encourage you to get somebody to help you like her or her her yeah. or like her. And just, I would say, finish it. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of what I had to do is just say, okay, this is, 
this six six and a half almost seven years is what this book is going to be about and there's a lot of hope in this book because God has really helped and Davy's legacy of love has really helped our journey. Well, and we've always felt like writing is a very therapeutic thing for people to do also. Um, it's one of the things we have people do is write letters to people, whether it's to deal with anger, resentment, or love, or whatever, that we feel like it's important that they not feel like they're stymied. There isn't an opportunity to have conversation just because we've lost someone. I have an ongoing yeah. letter to Chris Farrar that some days I'm giving him a hard time about running off and leaving me here, abandoning me here. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so there's a lot of opportunity in writing. Yeah, it has really helped me. People have told me that I've helped them by putting my emotions on paper, mm-hmm. like describing them and how it feels at different times. And... And so it helps me and it helps other people put words to their emotions because there's this whole swirling thing at first and it's very hard to even describe it. Sure, sure. Well, and it's saying that it's okay too. Yeah, exactly. You're not losing your mind. You're not crazy. This is this is part of it and it's okay. Because there are people around, like somebody just told me, somebody said to them, I think their son was killed on the line of duty like 10 months ago and they said, Oh, you're still crying about that? What? Jeez. It's like what? What? Yeah, people. People are weird. I, I, you know, it's it's amazing to me at how there's absolutely no filter sometimes in a right. situation that they could truly think that ten months, heck, ten years. Exactly. It, it really. You know, you go, do you have kids? First of all, did that person have children? Because right. <laughs> I have a hard time believing. If they did, do you like your children? <laughs> you kind of have to question that too. But I blogged about that and I said, nobody's had the guts to say that to me. I bet. I'm a pretty direct person. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think anybody's had the guts to say that to me because they probably wouldn't have liked my response. But my response would be, you obviously have not lost a child. Mm-hmm. Right. And I hope you never do. Right. Absolutely. Because if you do, you will understand why we're still grieving 10 months later, 10 years later, 20 years later. Sure. Sure. Well, one of the things, too, as we wrap this up, because what I'd really like to do is when the book comes out and you're here, I'd love to have you in studio. And after Tom and I have read the book also, um, but one of the things I have to tell you that Davy is still working on James Bird, um, <laughs> and I laugh and I call him a closet Christian. Because, oh yeah, he talks about <laughs> Jesus more than I do. Well, and we teach together at the Phoenix Police Academy, and he talks about Dave obviously, and he talks about yeah. And one day I'll see him in Valhalla, and I look at the class and I go, "To the rest of us, that's heaven." And so I, I think he's still working on him. <laughs> there is hope for Bird. <laughs> you talk about Jesus more than I do, which is not true. But he brings it up. He does. And I, I have given, I gave him a book, uh, Cold Case Christianity. You know, because Bird loves oh, to talk about reading. Book. You know, he's read the Quran and he studied yes. religion. 
And uh, so I gave him that book, and I think it's still in his closet. And I told him, I said, because you're afraid to read it, you chicken. Yeah. And <laughs> Truth so, will come yeah, out. Absolutely. So, so you need to kind of get on him about say, yeah, I know you got that book from Susan, and have you read it? Between the two of us, we're going to have that boy. Because I, I told him, I said, I can't leave this earth till I know you're going to be in heaven with me. <laughs> and um, and so we need to to keep working on him. But I, I'm telling you, Dave is still, Dave is still working on him that's awesome. And, and to see him say these things in the in the trainings just makes me laugh. And then he looks at you and goes, oh, no, I shouldn't have said that. Exactly. Every time. Every time. But, Judy, this is, has truly been a pleasure. It's good to see you. Uh, I can't believe you've been up there three years. And uh, I always love seeing your likes and, and comments on my Facebook stuff and certainly follow you and uh, we'll have to to get onto the blog, but your blog actually shares on Facebook, doesn't it? Isn't that yeah. what I usually read on Facebook? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what you see. Well, you'll see both of them. Okay. The one where I read through the Bible every year is on Facebook. That's during the week, and then my family bleeds blue. I post on that uh, on Sundays. Okay. And that shows up on Facebook as well. I just had a really cool thing show up. Uh, we had always, I always want, wish that Davy had wrote letters, mm -hmm. letters of encouragement to mm -hmm. leave behind. And um, I just was encouraging people to write letters. Yes. I knew Davy loved me. I knew we had a good relationship, but um, I would have loved to have something in writing. Sure. You know? Sure. And then, well, so I wrote letters to my family and I was putting them in my little safe looking for a file, empty file. And I found this envelope with Davy's writing on it, which amazes me because I'm a non hoarder, so I don't keep stuff. <laughs> and it was 1999. He was 18 years old. It said Sunday school, 1999. And he talked about 40 years from now what he wanted his life to look like oh wow and he talked about the the um woman he wanted to marry and that he wanted two kids and that he had several careers he was interested in and one of them was police officer and that he wanted to be active in a church family spiritual family and so he died 16 years later and he had done all of those things. Wow. wow. So it was just a cool thing going, see, his day was, his yeah. time was done. He right. had done what he needed to do. And God said, it's time for you, you to come on. Yes. Yeah. And I guess that's what I was asking about in looking back the, the things. And yeah, here's a letter of everything he wanted to do, and he had done it. Yeah. How awesome is that? Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So, yeah, what a what a great thing for a mother to have. <laughs> yeah, and I shared it with Kristen. I said, this is as good of a letter that we're going to get. You know? <laughs> but it does feel you, make you make me feel like he did what he was supposed to do, and I believe that, that God rewarded him. That's how yes. God looks at death. Yes, absolutely. God rewarded him and said, okay, you don't have to, deal with that mess right that it's gotten worse <laughs> since 2016 it would be awful to have a child in law enforcement right now i'm so thankful mine has, got redirected he has huge and he had huge integrity you know and all of that that our culture no longer has right so he would have been 
really unhappy. Very frustrated. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, we hope you'll agree to come back when the book is out and you're in Phoenix and we can get you into the Chris Farrar podcast studio here and would love for Dave to come with you if he'd be willing to be on here also. He can talk about kind of his perspective as you're writing a book um, and he's going, what did you put in there about me? (laughs) He hasn't read it yet. I keep asking him, do you want to read it? Do you want to read it? I'll read it when it comes out, you know, and so. At least he didn't well, tell you he'll listen to it when you do the audible version of yeah. it. Yeah, well, he's been listening to, it takes a lot of effort. This has been a huge project. I bet. I bet. I'm glad I'm retired. So it's been pretty full time at the end here trying to get it done so i will let everybody know it's getting close yeah and when it's out then you're gonna have to be doing some traveling to promote the book i would love to do that the whole reason why i share this stuff is to help other people and i hope cops concerns of police survivors will help promote this book and that kind of stuff too to get you involved to be able to be that beacon of hope for those yes. mothers that are there, mm-hmm. I think I know there's a lot for spouses and families and kids, but I don't really know how much there is for mothers and fathers. That... Yeah, parents. We have a. I haven't gone actually, uh, but we there is a parents weekend, couple days. Yes, that I think would be great. But yeah, my whole idea about sharing the whole re- reason why I wrote is well, it did help me, mm-hmm. but to help other people that are that are on this, it's a super hard journey. Sure. It's a very difficult, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Well, and I think too, and what you're saying too, about the stories you've shared in there about Davey too, this is going to be so good for his kids because yeah. you know, children don't always know if they really remember some right. of the things or if they've just heard the stories so, so many, many times, times yeah. that they remember it. And what a, what a great thing for them to have and even to pass on to their kids. Yeah. Um, about their they probably home. won't read it until they get a little older because sure. it's tough. Sure. The, the grief is a you know adult level. Sure. You know I was pretty uh, talking about it and how how tough it was, but God always He got me through. You know the the real tough first several months. God was the only thing that didn't shake yes. in my life. Everybody was shaking. You know, everybody's lives were spiraling around their grief and even the squads and stuff. Everybody was grieving. We would get together and just sit there. Yes. Because there was nothing to say. It was so horrible. Sure. Well, you felt the vacancy of of Dave not being there because he was such a personality for all of you. Yeah, he was huge. Always. He loved people always getting together, always doing something, always planning. Sure, sure. So, yeah, so we hope you'll come back with the book. I will do that. And have you in studio, and we just appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Can't <laughs> wait to read it. Can't wait to get a copy of it and and uh, have a chance to read it and then really ask you some questions about things in the book. Yeah, there's a, uh, it's really been a journey. Yes, well, we're glad that you were able to do that and that God pointed you that direction to take that journey and to do that because I do think it's going to be helpful not just for you but for so many people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be something that we can certainly share it under the shield when we come across these things all over this country and with the people we work with to be able to say, here's a resource 
for you to read. Right. Here's a story. Yeah. Yes. yes. You'll find yourself. If you've had a tragedy, especially losing a child, you'll find yourself in my story. Sure. I'm sure. 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 Well, as we wrap things up here, too, we want to make sure everybody has all of our contact information. Um, you know, remember that we're here 24-7, 365. Our toll-free number is and 24-7 number is 855-889-2348. If you hit extension 1, uh, we will not have your phone number. We do everything to keep this completely anonymous. There's no stronger form of confidentiality than anonymity. And uh, please, you will get someone, if you hit extension one, you're going to get one of our stress coaches. It may have to ring a little bit, ringing around to find the coach that's available, but don't give up. Uh, if you hit a, an extension for one of the stress coaches, whether it's myself, David Cohen, or Tom, um, you may get our voicemail there. But you can also reach me on my cell phone, which is 334-324-3570. And you can reach me at, <clears throat> excuse me, on my cell phone at 480-861-6574. And this is for families, first responders, military. Don't hesitate to reach out to us. Um, you know, families, a lot of times you don't know where to turn. And we can certainly help you navigate the waters to get your loved one either to one of our stress coaches or somewhere. Um, there's nothing that we don't deal with. And the hardest part is just picking up the phone to make the phone call. Absolutely. After that, it's... Yes. You don't have it. to give us your name. You don't right. even have to tell us where you are. Um, you know, we may ask, is this about police, fire, veterans, paramedics, whatever, to make sure you have a stress coach that that is their uh, real choice because all of our stress coaches have done it, been married to it, raised by it, or given birth to it. So we want to make sure that we have the person that's closest connected to what you might be going through. So... Uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We will not ask your name, where you're located, or anything like that. So give us, make up a name. You can be Bugs <laughs> Bunny or Daffy Duck. So whatever you want to be, it's up to you. And if you're interested in, in reaching Judy, reach out to us. We can find a way to connect you with her also. And we will certainly put out when the book yeah. is out for sale, where, how you can get it. We'll make sure of that. We'll get Judy and hopefully Dave in here to talk about that and talk about the book and get it promoted. Awesome. Great. Well, stay safe out there. Again, all of you in that world of first responders, military and families, thank you for the sacrifices that you make. Uh, I think that's something that can't be said enough for sure, especially to the families. And God bless you. God bless your families in this great nation that we live in. Thank you very much, Judy Glasser, again, for having taking the time out to be with us and promote this book and your story and we'll have you back again soon. Thank you very much. Thank it's great. You. I love what you guys do. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you.